Welcome to the Menopause and Sex Podcast, where we discuss women's sexuality as it relates to the experience of menopause. I am your host, Christy Ann. Let's get started. Welcome to episode five of the Menopause and Sex Podcast. Today's episode is going to be posing the question, is a lack of sex after menopause a driving factor in divorce nowadays? But before we get into this topic, I want to talk about our sponsor, which is Wet Orchid, of course. Wet Orchid is a line of vaginal moisturizing products made with menopause in mind. There's five products in the current lineup, which include a gentle sulfate-free wash, a moisturizing cream, a moisturizing gel, a repair serum, and a moisture locking balm. Learn more about these products by going to wetorchid.com. As we see divorce rates rise, and as we see that more and more divorces are driven by women, uh, especially older women, the question comes to mind, is menopause playing a role in these divorces? Is it playing a substantial role in these divorces? And so I did some research, um, basically put that question into Google to see if I can find some articles that are discussing this, and lo and behold, I found several articles that are saying that there is a correlation between uh, menopause and divorce rates. So this is something that definitely needs to be talked about. Um, so let's, let's get into some of these articles and see what some of the experts and different people are saying about this topic. So this first article I found is on crispandco.com. And what I'm going to do is just kind of skim some of the information from the article um, for this one and all the articles that I'm going to talk about in this podcast. And then I'm going to put a link to the articles in the podcast description. So that way you can go read the entire article for yourself if you would like to do that. So in this article, by Crisp and Co. The title is, Can Can Menopause Cause Relationship Breakdown? And this is actually talking about women in the UK, which of course this podcast is in the US, but you know, I think that it's going to be about the same anywhere because menopause affects women no matter what country you live in. (laughs) So um, it is saying that there does appear to be a correlation um, with... um, menopause and divorce. Um, It talks about the fact that um, menopause, while many of the symptoms um, have been, have a drastic impact on relationships, you know, there's a lot that's still unknown about the correlation of those things. Um, But that it often causes an increase in disputes, a lack of uh, understanding, Um, you know, imagine there's a lot of, uh, disconnect with empathy when, you know, menopause arises, there's reduced physical intimacy. And we know that that can be caused by various things such as, you know, vaginal dryness, which can lead to atrophy, which leads to pain. And that leads to women pulling back from sex. Of course, there's the stress that women at this age group are dealing with, you know, with family and community and everything, jobs and all of that. Um, You know, there's the emotional side of, you know, the body image and anything else that could be going on in her life or 
that has gone in, on in her past that could be affecting her. So there could be a lot of things that can be affecting that part with the intimacy. And then they also say poor communication, um, which all these things will lead to the eventual breakdown of the relationship. So if you are currently in a relationship, you know, where you're already experiencing, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, um, where you're currently experiencing you know, I break down in these things and menopause is happening, then, you know, it very well may be that menopause may not be the over the main cause, but it may definitely be a driving factor and um, affecting it. So um, in the article, they're going to discuss a few things here. Let me give you this overview. So they talk about how does menopause reduce intimacy in a relationship? The effect menopause has on a woman's mental health common symptoms of menopause how does the menopause if how does the menopause affect relationships that's that's how they wrote it um can menopause lead to divorce can menopause lead to anger towards husbands and are affairs more common during menopause hmm so these are all some really good topics to to read about in here I wonder too the affairs if they're going to if that's going to be focused more on men or women um, but this looks like it would be a very good article if you are um, going through this to read through I'm going to kind of skim through a little bit more that they have here here's a section what are some common symptoms of menopause which we know many of these here trouble sleeping lowered cholesterol um, decreased libido, mood changes, weight gain, irregular periods, of course. Um, but that's once you're in menopause, though, once once you're fully in menopause, you you don't have periods at all. So that's a little odd. They said that that's perimenopause when you have irregular periods. Menopause is when is 12 months after your final period. And sometimes it can be hard to tell when that is. Uh, for me, I didn't really know I was in menopause till probably two years afterwards, because my personal experience was that for a couple of years, I would go for like close to almost 300 days without a period, and then I'd get something, and it's like, okay, reset the clock. So that can be a hard one. Uh, more in the list, hot flashes, chills, night sweats, vaginal problems, which that'd be the dryness and loss of elasticity and such. Um, increased chances of urinary infections. Um, that is, I've never experienced that, but I do know women who, who have, and that can definitely, when you've got a UTI, the last thing you're going to want to do is be intimate. Uh, decreased fertility, which is odd. For, they would put that in here because that also too is that, yes, that's menopause. You're, you're, you're going to lose fertility. And of course, painful menopause or painful, painful intercourse. So, they get into next talking about how it can affect relationships, which of course comes, gets down into communication. Um, and this is something that I want to get into in future podcasts is to talk about the causes of these, of the communication disconnects, which a lot of that comes down to the differences in how women and men communicate just in general. But then also too the you know the lack of education and information out there for both men and women uh, about what menopause is and what's happening. So um, also too there can just be a buildup of resentment and anger behind everything, and then menopause comes in and it just complicates everything a lot more. 
Um, if couples haven't, you know, if they haven't entertained or tried other avenues to figure out ways of communication, it can just stifle, it'll just stifle uh, communication. And so, you know, often it needs to be entertained the idea of reaching out for extra help, which would mean getting therapy. Um, and so, in some cases, a, a couple may need to start, you know, looking into that, looking into the idea of getting um, professional help. So can menopause lead to divorce? Uh, it says a large percentage of women who initiate divorce are o- are over 40 years old, the same age at which many start to experience pen- perimenopause symptoms. So yes, this is true. Um, so it doesn't mean that it's necessarily connected, but they may contribute to each other. Like I said before, it, you know, there's so many things that can contribute to divorce. It's not going to be likely that menopause itself is the driving factor. There's going to likely be many other things that were leading up to it, but menopause, once it sets in, definitely can exacerbate everything. So, um, there may be, they say there may be many reasons couples get divorced including not limited to failure to communicate, a change in feelings towards each other, financial strain, addiction, abuse, loss of intimacy, adultery, and a lack of sexual intercourse. And all of these, honestly, even without menopause, these can all be a driving factor to to divorce. So, you know, I mean, any of these things wouldn't matter whether menopause is there or not. Those are going to cause divorce. So, um. Next section, they get into, can menopause lead to anger towards husbands or partners? So let's see here. They say that um, it could be related because sometimes, many times, women may find themselves to be angry already. Um, I, I would take it they're meaning that resentment that could have built up over the years about issues that are not related to menopause, you know, like perhaps, you know uneven housework, you know, um, her feeling stressed because she's having to do more. I'm just throwing that out there, you know, as, as an example, um, they're talking about spikes in hormonal levels can cause mood swings with the addition of, addition of, uh, sleepless nights, heightened anxiety and other symptoms. They didn't say night sweats, but, and hot flashes, but I'm throwing that in there can make it uh, easy to become overwhelmed and angry. Now I'm going to speak to that point. Yes. When you're not getting your sleep right there, that's already going to stress you out. And, um, a lot of women are still sleeping in a bedroom with a man who may snore. And, uh, you know, traditionally we've been made to feel that, you know, if you don't sleep in the same room, that it's not a normal marriage and women will sacrifice their sleep. And uh, when you add menopause on top of that, yeah, it'll make it worse. And the night sweats, oh, goodness. The night sweats, the tossing and turning, the constant burning up hot. So you toss the covers off. You cool off and then you're freezing cold. So you put the covers back on. I mean, you're you, a woman can start to lose so much sleep when she starts into menopause. And that, yes, that can definitely, definitely lead her to be a lot more irritable and that would of course directly start causing um anger issues of course that would that would that would happen in anybody whether or not they're in menopause just the sleep disturbances themselves 
So going on, they uh, talk about some solutions, which can include discuss your feelings, uh, both alone and with your partner during therapy. Um, Another thing is um, the woman exploring with her doctor, of course, they don't say with the doctor, but I'm saying with your doctor, exploring hormone replacement therapy, um, antidepressants, which I have been told by my own um, gynecologist that antidepressants can be prescribed because they can help with hot flashes. Um now, the one drawback myself personally I experienced when I took antidepressants, which was many, many years ago. This was not, this was back in college because you know how stressing college can be. Um, I took them then and at that time they completely killed my libido. So I am not a doctor and I'm not here to prescribe anything or make recommendations, but I'm just going to say that if you do talk to your doctor about, if they like suggest antidepressants to help with the hot flashes, make sure you ask them about whatever kind they prescribe. Will it have an effect or is it likely to have an effect on your sex drive? Because in my mind, if the overall goal is to eventually become more intimate again, it doesn't really seem worth it to take an antidepressant, which makes it very hard, you know, in many cases, because a lot of people actually do report that to be a problem, um, that sexual response. And it's both in men and women that it can, um, it can definitely lessen quite a bit. So, you know, antidepressants may work, but then, you know, if they're causing other problems, they may not be worth it. And then of course, open communication with friends, family members, and your partner, so, you know, communication right there, just getting stuff out in the open a lot of times can help with a lot of stress. So next thing they talk about, are affairs more common during menopause? And they are saying in here that they are more common than we may realize and that there are m- different reasons why someone may choose to have an affair, including sexual desire, obviously, uh, lack of love and intimacy, self-esteem and anger um and so you know that's again though all of those things that they're listing that's the same reason why anybody cheats to begin with whether or not menopause is there so you know I mean it might be that it could cause it more but I don't know I kind of think that menopause itself is not going to necessarily be a direct cause of adultery because these same things can happen even without without menopause there. So, um, but, you know, if, uh, things left to be unchecked. I mean, it, it definitely can be an indirect cause, you know, especially if communication breaks down more. And if if there is a lack of sex and the man wants sex, he may begin to look outside of the marriage or the partnership, if you're, you know, not married, but in a partnership. Um, and if the sex drops to where there's none, then they may. But, um, you know, again, that depends because not all people cheat. Not all, not all men respond to a lack of sex by cheating. Not all men do that. So definitely don't want to give that impression. And I don't think they're trying to give that impression through this article. So it says here's that during menopause, um, there's a drop in the amount of oxytocin, oxytocin in the body, 
They don't follow that up with any kind of reference to where they got that information. So um, I'm not sure about that, but uh, maybe that's something we could look into in a, a future podcast if that's true. Um, but if that is true, that along with a reduced intimacy and loss of sexual connection can lead to a change in the way the relationship is viewed, which uh, in turn could lead a woman to think, well, you know what, maybe I just don't need to be in this relationship anymore if it's not giving me what I need. So, um, a decreased libido can be a problem for couples. So, and then they talk a little bit more, but that is essentially the gist of that section of the article. Um, and then, oh, and then they go into a final thing talking about, uh, family law solicitor. So Crispin Co. is a law firm talking about that. So we're going to stop right there with that article. The other, the other article I wanted to read today comes from a website, Genev, uh, let me spell it. It's G-E-N-N-E-V dot com and the article's title is menopause and sexless marriage they're likely linked and again i will leave a link to this article in the podcast description so you can read it in entirety um but essentially in this article um they are talking about the fact that yes it can't, you know, the uh, sex can lessen after uh, menopause, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Um, uh, the causes can be, you know, disparate expectations, increased physical painful sex, um, different le- differing levels of desire, reduced ability. All these symptoms are frustratingly common in middle age, and they can all make intimacy and sex difficult. And they say, according to therapist and author uh, of the books Sex Without Stress, uh, Jessica Zimmerman, about 20% of people are in sexless marriages, meaning they have fewer than 10 times, they have, meaning they have sex fewer than 10 times per year. Of the remaining couples, about 25% have less sex than once a week, have sex less than once a week. So that is what they're defining as low sex to no sex relationships. Um, but what this article is saying is that you don't have to settle for a sexless marriage and that once you understand what's causing the issues, getting in the way of your sex life, you can move forward and fix these things. So uh, here they talk about why do menopause and sexless marriages happen? Let's look at what's going on down there. So couples who don't have sex are missing out on that physical connection and there is a correlation between divorce and menopause due to the lack of sex. And as you already know, estrogen and testosterone levels drop during perimenopause and menopause. Now, those things can cause a drying, the drying of the vagina, of the vaginal tissue. Again, we're repeating that same thing. You know, it's a, it's a common theme that once that starts, um, every article you're going to read is going to say this is a big problem. It's, that's the problem is that once the hormone levels start dropping, the natural vaginal tissues um, stop producing as much lubricant and Often what happens is, as that happens, women pull back from sex and there could be other things going on. Now, this is my words. This isn't the article. 
women pull back from sex because they're experiencing pain. And then if they're dealing with all the other stress of life, that that can also, too, make you tense up down there. So you're dealing with all that. You're pulling back. You're doing sex less. And then as you're having sex less, you're not using things. And it's making it worse in the long run because since you're not using your vagina as much with penetration, everything's drying up. The lining is starting to kind of build up, not like a callus on your foot or something, but in a way, in theory, that's kind of what's happening is this lining in your vagina is getting thicker because it's not being used like it used to. And as it's not as moist, it's just getting worse. That's what leads to atrophy. And eventually you get to a situation where it's just very difficult to have sex. And you have to go through some things to reverse that. Um, Now, here's the good news. That all can be reversed. And um, it can be done within a couple of weeks. You can do, there's things you can do with your doctor, things you can do yourself. Um, I actually have a really great guidebook that can help you with all of that. I have a guidebook that's one that's made for men. So they can understand what they need to do to understand what a lady's going through, what their wives are going through, and what they can do to help. And I also have a book for women. I'm going to link both of those in the description of the podcast. And you can look into those um, because I myself, being a woman who's, I'm well past menopause now, um, I went through that myself. I went, you know, I, excuse me, I didn't have sex for a long time. After starting to go through perimenopause, um, didn't have a partner for a while. When I started having a partner and we started being intimate, it was extremely painful. It was very painful. So I went to my doctor. Um, they diagnosed me with having vaginal atrophy. Um, they led me through some products that I could use, some things I could do. And I was able to, you know, get so far with what information and products they were able to give me. And then, of course, I went down my own path of trying a lot of over-the-counter things. Um, And we're talking about products. We're talking about devices. So we're talking about, like, topicals, like creams and things like that. We're also talking about devices like Kegel, uh, Kegel exercisers, vaginal dilators, different things like that. And so I figured out what works and what doesn't. I compiled it all into a couple of guides. And so, like I said, I'm going to put those linked into the podcast description. You can also go to the website menopauseandsex.co. And I actually have links for these products right underneath the links where you can see the podcast. So either way, let's get back into this. Um, Another sexual side effect. This is the article, again, caused by lowered estrogen and testosterone is a lagging libido. And so... Yes, that also, too, uh, will happen is that, you know, not only are are your natural moistures drying up down there, but, of course, you're not hormonally inspired to be aroused like you used to be. You know, all that estrogen is, um, would you know, just think about it. Like when you, right before your period, you'd be just crazy aroused, really wanting to have sex because your body's saying... I want to reproduce. There's an egg. Go do it. And so it's your hormones um, are making all this blood go down to your vaginal area. And so your vaginal cavity and the inner and the outer parts are all engorged with blood. And so it's it's engorged. It's aroused. You're you're feeling it. You're wanting it. So once all those hormones stop, you don't feel that way anymore. But here's the cool thing. You can actually trick your body into being aroused again. 
and uh, I have a few tricks, and that's actually in the ebook that you can do to artificially get your body to react like it used to. There's lots of different ways you can do this. Some of it is with, of course, hormones, going to your doctor, things that are medical. Uh, but there are things that are completely non-invasive, things that you can, stuff you can use around the house, some things that you might uh, go shopping at an adult store for. But there are definitely ways you can artificially enhance your libido uh, safely and get it to get your body to react just about nearly like it used to before you went through menopause. So um, again, like I said, just check out the uh, description for the podcast to see the links to those ebooks. Getting back into the article, talking about what can be done while well, they're saying things that you should do is think outside of the box, look for inspiration in erotic films and books, put new foreplay uh, in plan, plan new position, you know, sexual positions and a lot of stuff. This is kind of interesting because this is a lot of what I talk about in the ebook. Um, I give you a lot of information in these two ebooks, uh, written one for men, one for women. Uh, different things that you can try uh, that are activity based uh, that you may or may not have thought about um, to help enhance everything. Because another cause of uh, lack of sex, you know, uh, after menopause can be boredom. I mean, if you guys have been together for what, 10, 20 years, who know, you know, however long you've been together doing the same thing the same way in the same bed a, just a lack of imagination and just boredom can definitely be a contributing factor um so sometimes people need a little inspiration a few ideas of things they can try because either they're not aware of these things or maybe they're aware but they have a negative connotation to them and aren't aren't aware of how some activities which you may have brought up to think are immoral or just otherwise bad really aren't that bad they really aren't and so I talk about some of those things in the ebook and maybe I'll talk about them on a podcast later um for now I'm going to make it curious though uh, but like I said if you go to the podcast description I have a big both the websites where I talk about the ebooks, there is a lot of detail about what these ebooks are, so you can learn a little bit more. So, anyway, so um, let's start wrapping these up here. Um, now, in the final part of this article, they're going to give a few points on how you can help fix any issues so the first is keep keep investing in the relationship don't get complacent and jessica uh, the doctor says marriage is like a garden it needs tending so to continue spend uh, continue spending quality time together make sex, sex and intimacy a priority and don't let yourself get so comfortable you don't water and weed the garden letting it fall to disrepair and let me just say this let me add my opinion is that Sex doesn't always have to equal orgasm. Just lying in bed together, just massaging each other, touching, kissing, fondling. You know, it doesn't have to be like this big explosive orgasmic affair. It can just be something soft and sensual. You know, teasing. Uh, there's something, here's something that comes to mind is tantric sex. Um, tantric sex 
involves um, taking each other close to orgasm, but orgasm is not the point. It can include hours and hours of playing with orgasm never actually happening because it's not the point of it all. And tantric sex can, tantric sex can actually bring couples closer. And here's the thing, though. It's not that orgasm isn't allowed. It's just not the point of it. So when orgasm does happen, it's really good. <laughs> so and with tantric sex, that can bring about a little bit of patience for both parties um, and a, a whole new mindset about sex. So, you know, again, that could be something I'll touch on in a future podcast. So another thing, that, the second thing they talk about is m- maintain open communication. Don't be afraid of rocking the boat. Um, when things are going well, it can be hard to bring up negative negativity in the relationship. Uh, people avoid talking about difficult things because they don't want to spoil the good feelings they've been having. But it's crucial that a couple maintain open and, co- and honest communication, especially about the hard things. <clears throat> so if you stop talking and start hiding things that are bothering you, resentment and distance will grow. So yes, you, you, you do need to talk about the hard stuff. Avoiding the conversation isn't going to help. Um, if you have a hard time initiating the conversation, um, you can uh, work with a therapist possibly to uh, help you figure out ways to talk about things. And you can do that. You could do this as a couple, bring everything, you know, out in the open together in a, in a safe, safe environment where, you know, where you have another person there, you'll feel safe to bring out what you're thinking. You won't have to feel a fear of being attacked or judged as much because you have a professional there. Or you could work just solo with your own therapist who can help you come up with ways um, to open a relationship or open a, uh, a conversation and, you know, do some role playing. They can give you some, some openers and you can bounce those, uh, those openers off the therapist and kind of practice you know, bringing these things up. So that way, when you're ready to actually do it with your partner, you know, you're ready to do it. You, you'll have worked through the anxiety and the fear of bringing those things up. And the final thing in this article, they say is celebrate. A healthy, supportive partnership is worth celebrating. Jessica underscores, recognize that you have something special. Enjoy every moment. Don't take things for granted because life changes one way or another. Be grateful for what you have. So, that's true. I mean, really, you know, t- you don't want to take each other for granted because sometimes the grass is greener or it, it appears to be greener on the other side of the fence. And, um, you know, d- before divorce, it, it's it's very it, it can likely behoove both of you to just to at least try every path to figuring out what's going on. And seeing if you can't resolve your issues between each other before going to divorce. Now, of course, this podcast isn't about me telling you whether or not you should get divorced. This is more about just talking about whether or not menopause is a contributing factor. And it does appear that, yes, it can indirectly be a contributing factor. If you already had issues there to begin with, those issues are going to have to be addressed before you can even consider menopause to be the problem. But either way, I hope that me um, addressing those two articles kind of help you out with um, looking at your own situation to see if menopause might be causing some problems and give you some ideas on what you could do to work on um, 
you know, trying to fix it before it goes all the way to divorce. Anyway, so that does it for episode five of the Menopause and Sex podcast. I am your host, Christy Ann, and it has been a pleasure talking about this topic. We'll be back again next Monday for another exciting, fun-filled episode of Menopause and Sex. We're going to call it Menopause Mondays. In the meantime, make sure to check out wetorchid.com for all your vaginal moisturizing needs. We'll see you next week. Bye.